Resurrection Assembly of God. Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. 22nd of January, 2023, the House of the Lord, Psalm 27. As, as I said in the announcements, we're approaching our annual meeting as a church, and with that in view, it's appropriate for us as a church to be thinking and praying about who God wants us to be and what God is calling us to in the next calendar year. Like the, the turn of the new year, this uh, few just a few weeks ago, January 1, the annual meeting is always at the beginning of the year, well, because we kind of have to by law, but it's also a good time for us to set our sights on what God is calling us to. It's a good time for us to remind ourselves and recommit to what and who we are as the body of Christ. So we're going to do that with the passages provided for us in the lectionary readings that are on your bookmarks. Keep that in mind, by the way, as I keep saying that you can read the next week's passages ahead of time and be ready for what the Spirit will say. And indeed, if you read the scriptures ahead of time, the Spirit might actually invite you to be part of what God is speaking he might invite you to be a part of speaking the mind of God to his church. We were just talking in Sunday school uh, one week, two weeks ago, about the roles that we have here at the church. We made three columns, and we talked about the roles of congregants, of leaders, and pastors. We all have a role to play, right? Well, one of the points I made is that the Spirit is poured out on all of us. And that means that God can speak through any of us. But we have to learn how to hear God's voice and be prepared to speak it at the right time and in the right way. Right, Silva? Thank you. So let's hold this in our hearts and minds. What kind of church does God want us to be? Who does God want us to be? And the end result, the goal, is always... Uh, so that we can humbly and authentically witness to the gospel of Jesus Christ, because we want those who don't know Jesus to come and join us. We've got empty seats, right? And we're willing to put more empty seats in the sanctuary when people come. You know, we're, uh, I think, rated for 172 people in the sanctuary, but, you know, we Americans... We need our personal space. I remember in Africa, I would sit on one bench as a kid, and the bench was probably made for about eight people, but there'd be 12 of us sitting on the bench together. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, right? Those of you who are not from this country originally. Uh, so uh, if we were in Africa, this church would be rated for like 300 people. <laughs> And the Lord added to their number daily. That's what the scriptures say. So we're willing to put more empty seats in the sanctuary. God is calling us, I really believe, as to wonderful things, church. I look forward to it. And I want to read Psalm 27 to talk about what I believe God is calling us to and what we can look forward to. I'm going to read the whole psalm, but I'm only going to uh, focus on the first four verses this morning. Um, turn with me there. The psalm is on page 429 of your pew Bibles. 
So grab a Bible, I'm going to read it. It says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though wars ri war rise, arise against me, yet I will be confident. One thing that I have asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in the shelter, in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent, and he will lift me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me, and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger, O you who have been my help. Cast me not off. Forsake me not, O God of my salvation. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and they breathe out violence. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. I remember when I was in high school. I was a sophomore in high school. I read this psalm because I was going through, you know, all that teenage angst. I was going through a rough time as a, as a little sophomore kid. And uh, I read this psalm over and over and over again. Uh, and uh, I was reminded of that um, when I was preparing for this sermon on Sunday. Uh, so pay attention when the Lord gives you a scripture. Keep reading it until God lets you move on. That's what uh, John Alatalo was talking about in Sunday school this morning, about how we need to be like a dog with a beloved deer rib chewing away at it. Chew on the scriptures, church. Okay, the psalm begins by saying, the Lord is my light and my salvation. One of the things that I want you to notice about the passages that we read together on uh, this in the Sunday selections is that all the passages have some sort of thematic connection. So look for that. It can be fun and spiritually nourishing to read the passages ahead of, uh, ahead of the time that we gather here as a church and to try to figure out what the connections are between the passages. The first line in this psalm connects with the other passages we already read this morning. The Lord is my light, Psalm 27, verse 1 says. The passage we read in Isaiah earlier says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. And then in our passage in Matthew, it actually correlates with the passage in Isaiah. It says that Jesus went to Galilee, and it quotes the Isaiah passage about light and darkness. Light is the connecting theme of our passages this morning. Once you see it, you can't unsee it. It's obvious, so keep doing that. But let me get to my point. What are we supposed to be as a church we are supposed to be a place of light and not darkness. God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. 
We want to be a place where people can step into God's life, which means a step into the light. No darkness. We don't even want, we don't even want shadows cast by the light. Just pure, uninterrupted light. Like a star that has been placed right here in our midst so that all the wise men of the world can come and see divine truth. Like the light of the angels that shone on the night, that night to the shepherds when Jesus was born. Like the light of Jesus' transfiguration when the disciples heard the Father's voice saying, this is my beloved Son. And Jesus' face and his clothes shone as bright as the sun, the Bible says. We want the light of resurrection, not the darkness of the grave, to be the defining feature of our church. We want the light of the kingdom of God, not the darkness of the kingdom of the devil. So let us be a place of light, church. But what does this look like concretely? Let's go back to the scripture. It says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Being a church of light means being a church where there is no fear. This is really important because I think fear is the defining characteristic of our society, at least here in the West. Everyone is afraid of everyone. I got out of my car here the other day to come into the church office and there was a woman walking her dog and as soon as I stepped out of the car, she looked at me, had fear in her eyes, and crossed the street. Why is everyone afraid of everyone? We're in a church parking lot. Do I look that scary? I feel bad. I don't, wanna, I don't want anybody to be afraid of me. Everyone is afraid of everything. Maybe she just didn't want the pastor talking to her. Maybe that was the problem. <laughs> Keep that religion away from me. Whew. Everyone is afraid of what they do not know and what they do not understand. We are invited to be afraid and to be very afraid because we think that it's actually virtuous. We think it's, we're good people if we're afraid all the time. We share news articles on social media, and we share them with each other in text messages. We converse about all the problems facing the world. We despair together, and for some reason, we all think that this makes us good people. We think that talking about all the fearful things in the world might even excuse us from complicity in those problems, because supposedly silence is complicity, right? Even our president is saying that to us nowadays. So as long as we keep rehearsing the horror of the world, we think we're not complicit anymore. Hear me out. When we come to church, leave your fear at the door. That's what I try to do. The Lord is your light. The Lord is our light. The Lord is your salvation. The Lord is our salvation. Of what? Of what should you be afraid the answer is nothing. That's what. Of whom shall you be afraid? No one. This is what I want the public witness of Resurrection Assembly of God to be. I want you to be able to ask your friends and your coworkers 
and your acquaintances and your neighbors and all those strangers you meet at Walmart, you can ask them, are you afraid? And they will always answer yes if they're being honest because we live in the United States of America where we're all told to be afraid every single day of our lives. Then you'll be able to say to them after they're honest with you, and if they, are, if they, don't, if they say they're not afraid, say, mm, you are though. Then you can say to them, I invite you to come to a place where you don't need to be afraid. Resurrection Assembly of God is a place where you can come and leave your fears and your worries and your anxieties at the door. The light is always on. The perfect love of God is here. And the perfect love of God always casts out fear. That's why we put that sign out there this morning. If you haven't seen it yet, check it out on your way out. Pastor Abby made a new sign for us called, and it just says, fear not. So we want the neighborhood around us to know, fear not. We don't shame anyone for feeling fear, by the way. We understand. We get it. I get it. Going through three coup d'etats before you were 15 years old can teach you to be afraid of world politics. Three coup d'etats before I was 15 years old. We Christians, we feel the fear outside there too, but when we come to church, we can say to each other and we can hear the Spirit of God speaking and saying to us, fear not, for I am with you. Every time an angel shows up in the Bible, first two words out of that angel's mouth is fear not. To the Virgin Mary, fear not. To Zechariah, fear not. To Joseph, fear not. Let's believe, because they are there, that there's angels at the front door greeting us as we come in to worship the one true God and King. And they're saying to us, as they extend their hand to shake ours, fear not. So we are to be a place of light. Let me work towards my second point here. Verse 2 of Psalm 27 says, When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and my foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. This continues the theme of, of fearlessness that I just talked about. It, but it puts flesh and bones on what we are afraid of. We're afraid of what other human beings will do to us. We're afraid of our enemies. And here's what I want to say, which is my second point. I want resurrection assembly to be a place where our enemies are defeated. The passage says it. My adversaries and my foes, it is they who stumble and fall. May we be a church whose enemies stumble and fall. Amen? Of course, I am talking in the first instance about the devil and his demons. Every human evil has behind it the true enemy of our souls, the Satan. But God has defeated him in the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen? The, stumble, the, the, the devil stumbles. The stumble. The devil stumbles. The devil falls. The demons stumble and the demons fall. Amen.
Let's be a church who does not neglect the reality that our battle is not against flesh and blood. I was just talking with Pastor Cristal of uh, God Exists Ministries this week. They are the church that meets in our building on Sunday afternoons. And she was expressing to me how difficult it is to be a pastor. The work of pastoring. And I agreed with her. It's not easy. I told her this is not neutral territory here in Iowa City. And I said to her, there are sorcerers and there are witch doctors in our midst, in this very neighborhood. And there are people who think witchcraft is kitsch and kind of cute and fun. They think that playing with crystals and burning sage in the living room is some sort of innocuous spiritual but not religious self-care thing. But the enemy is killing our kids. Kids in our public schools are committing suicide. And many more are thinking about killing themselves every single day of the week. I know this, Pastor Abby knows this, because we talk to these teens. And they tell us about their friends who are despairing in our public schools. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. May the devil who is trying to make them stumble and fall be himself the one who stumbles and falls. May he fall into the trap that he has set for others. Let's also not forget that there are human enemies too. And uh, I think it's good to be honest with ourselves here. Many people who surround us, by the way, I forgot to say it. Noel, you prayed for light this morning. We talked about that. That was spirit-led. Thank you for that. But let's be honest with ourselves about our neighborhood. Many of the people who surround us, who live in these houses around us, except for Kyle and Abby across the street. (laughs) Although, well, many... Many of the people who surround us would rather see this church close. This is a great piece of land to put an apartment complex on. And if you've got enough money, you can get the Iowa City city government to rezone anything for you. Many of you know that a good majority of our residents in our neighborhood would rather see a convenience shop that sells 59-cent big slurps. Actually, Kyle would be a big fan of that, too. Not the church closing, but somewhere to buy big slurps or whatever you call them, or maybe a bakery with fresh baked bread or a quaint coffee shop in in the place of this church building. And you know that there are developers just waiting to kick apart these bricks to make some money. But not just that. There are many people in this neighborhood who are actively opposed to the gospel. I've gotten emails from them, condescending emails, emails that test me like the devil tested Jesus in the deserts. There's an army encamped about us, church, but we are not afraid because the Lord is our light and our salvation. It is our enemies who stumble and fall. And you know what? They're going to stumble right through the door of the church, and they're going to trip and fall right into the baptismal tank, and then our enemies will become our friends. (laughs) Our enemies will become our sisters and brothers. Did Jesus not ask us to love our enemies? That means we don't deny that they are, in fact, our enemies, but we strive to love them into the family of God. We can say, you know, you can have that big slurp, and you can come to church with it. Let's be that kind of church. So first I said we are a place of the light of God, and uh, we've already prayed into that. Second, may we be a church where our enemies stumble and fall. Third and finally, let us be a church that loves church. 
that loves being in the light, that loves being safe and fearless together. Verse 4 of Psalm 27 says, One thing I have asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. We sang this song this morning that the First Lady led us in. Happy are those who dwell in the house of God. The house of the Lord is, of course, us, not the building. We, the people, are the church. This building is not the church, formally speaking. But having said that, it remains true that God has given us this building. He has appointed it as a place for us to meet. And I want to ask you to love this place. And I mean, love the people around you because they are the place. Love the time that we have together when we're here together worshiping and praying together. You know, I hear, I hear some of the kids actually talking about it in church. On Sundays, I hear them talking about how excited they are to come back on Wednesday nights for church family dinner. Isn't that nice? And we like the kids right back. We can't wait to eat dinner with them too. They love being here in the presence of God and in the presence of, his, of, of God's people. So be like them. They're an example to us. I mean the people, but I also mean the space, like I already said. Love this place, this space. We could worship somewhere else, but God has given us this plot of ground. And this plot of ground, I believe, is a stone set up in opposition to the power of darkness. This building is an Ebenezer. We raise it to say, you cannot turn this house into a market. You cannot turn the temple into a den of thieves like the developers would like to. Love this place. Love the walls. Love the floors. Love the doors. That rhyme seems a little contrived now, so I apologize for that. But I meant what I said. If something is not fittingly beautiful for the place where God's people worship, think about how you can rectify it. Take, take joy in loving this place and the people. There's so much joy to be had. And I know many of you do that already. Jesse, you can uh, ring in the sheep. Thank you. I mean, you know, like Donna, Donna has a real ministry here. She cleans the church for us. Thank you, Donna. Donna makes this, this space that God has given us to meet in clean. It smells of, I don't know if that's pine saw or something like that. Simple green. All natural. You can drink that stuff. No? Luke says no. Charles, can we get another chemist's opinion? Okay. Um, and there's no dust on the windowsills because Donna cares about this place. I, I'll, I'll never forget when Donna first started cleaning the church, she came in here to talk to me and Pastor Abby about what we wanted to see done here and stuff like that. 
And the, one of the first things Donna did is she took a clean cloth and she walked over to the cross and just wiped the dust off the top of it. Because that's, that's how much Donna loves this place. That cleaning this place is an act of worship. Even caring for the cross that represents, that visualizes for us Christ's sacrifice. Many, many more of you have a similar ministry, you know, when you mow the lawn or man the sound booth. I never forget about you, Jesse. Or make coffee. There you are again. Or help clean communion cups and dishes or make communion. Jesse, you're everywhere. Or paint the walls or repair this thing or that thing. You know, Kyle came out this morning before church even started, before he had showered. He was still in his pajamas with some giant boots on, and he shoveled the entire church sidewalk. I want to ask, again, that it would be your desire, hi Moses, uh, to love this place, to love this place and the people so much that it is, that what it says in the psalm would be true of you. All you want is to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of your life. Because this is the place where we gaze upon God's beauty, is a place where we come with all of our problems, all our fears all the ugliness of the world, and we inquire of God, and he meets us with his beauty, his safety, his salvation. Amen. One more recap. Let us be a church where there is light and no fear. Let us be a church where our enemies are defeated, and let us be a church that loves the church. Amen. The Lord is our light and our salvation. We are now going to come to the meal of our salvation in the bread and the cup. Amen. Glory. Hallelujah.